There is hope for us yet. We are young, we are wet. I am Holly Whitaker. There is no time for and I am Laura McCowan. And this is Home Podcast. Is Boo a San Francisco thing? I've said Boo ever since I can remember. I don't know. Oh, really? Because you and my friend Sonia are the only ones that say it, and she only started saying it when she moved to San Francisco. Maybe I'm, it's a West Coast thing. I'm pretty sure. I, I'm pretty sure. I think it's also black appropriation. So, um, yeah, I need that. not a white word. So, let's... Okay, how are you? Like, so let's talk a little bit about our days before we jump into this, because um, it's actually a shorter interview, and, you know, why why give <laughs> the listeners time back? Why <laughs> why give them the opportunity to listen to a podcast that's less than an hour and a half? Oh, um, no. <laughs> why, why not? Why would we fill let that do space that? up? Do you remember at the beginning when we started to freak out about how, like, hour-long episodes, and now yeah. I don't even think we, I don't even notice what the length is. Whenever it's, like, Oh. an hour I'm always like really um <laughs> yeah no I haven't looked at how long they are no yeah. a long time that's funny I know I know um yeah so today like let's talk about it like you I I I wrote you and we're I'm really excited because this is episode 49 and our next episode is episode yes. 50 and episode 50 <laughs> we're doing do you want to talk about what we're doing it on sure um I was thinking about it more today when I was vacuuming uh we are which means nothing other than I, I'm kind of excited to do it. Um, and a little bit, I'm not scared, but I think it's going to be really interesting. <laughs> it's going to be great. Uh, we're doing one about our friendship, uh, yeah. the truth about us. Yeah, the truth about us. That's what it's going to be called. And and we're doing it because it's their 50th episode, and we wanted to do something that would you know kind of honor what this is. And really what this has been is, um, is, is two people really – learning a lot about each like we're close friends we work really closely together we also work competitive like we are competitors in some regards and we complement one another and um it's there's jealousy and there's intolerance and um today it was so funny because I was talking to one of my friends um who's uh wise and she was talking about how when we get really close with people um and and she was talking about this just from personal experience when we get really close with people we tend to um our stuff comes out and she had this really beautiful way of putting it she was like it's because you get so close with that person it's just a reflection of what you're doing to yourself on the inside and you allow that to spill over it's like it's just a reflection of the of the war within and it spills out and it's when she said it I didn't think of my mom or men I thought of you and and (laughs) um that's so true oh my god yeah so I'm so excited about that but today on that note I texted you because I um because I haven't written a blog in in like six weeks and I just got this crazy mad idea in my mind that I'm not a writer and um and I had all of this and I started going through your posts and saying oh god maybe I should turn comments back on and and looking at your what you're reading and your engagement and 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 your beautiful big words and and I do what I do now when I feel jealous and insecure about your success which is I tell you about it and yeah. you Which always awesome and hard I oh. yeah you, you do I do <laughs> and I will and it's always like really um like I love that you do it because no it's that's a whole other layer of 
of something. I mean, I don't, I can barely do that. Um, and you, yeah, you tell me about it. And, but the thing is, whenever you say something, it's so confusing. Why? <laughs> because it's like, what, what has she been doing for the past however long <laughs> that this story has been, <laughs> been forming? How did it get to that point? Like, like, <laughs> Hey, Laura. Like I just imagine. Yeah. How does it get that? Like, what was the path that led me to the, like, how intolerable it was that I had to reach I out and say. Like a, a visual map of the oh, rabbit hole. That I, I dig myself into. into. Yeah. So it was great. Because I, I reached out to you and I said, I feel like I'm not a writer and I feel like I'm falling behind and I feel like um, you're a writer and and how do you do it? Your blog is so much more engagement and um, and I said, how do you do it? How do I not feel this way? And then um, and you said all the beautiful things, which which were I'm struggling today, too. And it's one of the, we I said to you. It's so beautiful to be friends with one of your heroes because you te- you texted me a picture of you in bed under the covers. You're like, noon, still in bed. And I thought like, oh, and I felt just immediate relief because we build up these ideas in our minds that that person is yep. so far ahead of us and they have it all together and they're so on point and they're hiding under yep. the covers. And so anyway. Yeah, I didn't even say any beautiful words. All I said was... Uh... <laughs> I just said, literally said nothing. I texted you the picture and I said, uh, this is who you're asking. Like, what are you talking about? Well, you told me I was a writer. You reminded me I was a writer. I did. I did. But, but that, you know, sometimes I would say that and you wouldn't, it wouldn't, you wouldn't hear it, but it was just, it was a really, we, and we we usually aren't both in the same place at the same time. It's like we alternate. Yep. So we happen to be in the same place place today was which is it was a relief sometimes it's not so much of a relief but today it was it was it did lighten it a bit a little bit yeah uh, it was nice it was I was in my hiding place which is the bathtub and you were in your hiding place which is under the covers and it was just yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. it's so it fun sweet. yeah and then and then you like called me a little bit later I'd finally gotten out of bed and I uh, my Alma was home for the day cause she, so her eye was bothering her or something. And she, so she was here and I was completely ignoring her and she was like, I'm hungry. Like, hello. It was about two something. <laughs> like, Can I eat something? And can you mom? Like, yeah. Can you mother me for a minute? And I was like, Oh God what do you want? No, I was like, okay, I'll make you eggs. I can do that. But then I turned on the pan, put oil in, turned on the pan and walked away and forgot (laughs) what I was doing. Like that is the summary of today. Uh, And I only remembered because I smelled, you know, a fire about to start in my kitchen. And I went back and you're like telling me this story, this cool story. No, I stopped telling it to you. Trying to play it off because I didn't, I was about to, you know, like, hot oil about to burn myself it's splattering up in my face and I was like uh-huh 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 and you're like you're not even listening you're not listening I was like no I'm not listening no what I said was I'm not telling you this story because it's not being received and then we yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. okay so no I think we've filled enough time um but I fucking love you but it, it is was funny. just so yeah, awesome next, it was... <laughs> next week is gonna be really good because um I think people wonder, like, are you really, are you really like good friends? friends? Do you really like each other? Like, what happens? And the truth is, 
it, there's a lot that we don't talk about. Yeah. And there's a lot that, um, it's a, it's a very, it's a struggle. It's beautiful. It's a lot of different things. So we're going to dig into that. Yeah. I go through about once a month. I'm pretty sure that you're, you're over being friends with me and, and that I've gone like I, about once a month I, I go through that process of, okay, she's gone. Um, and then I remember I have the podcast and so you really can't run that far. Yeah, um, I know. It's like, and you know, go the same way. I'm like, Oh, maybe I don't want to be friends there. It's like, well, yeah. Yeah. So that brings us to this episode, which is definitely one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was, uh, so we're talking to, we talked to Sean Korn, who is a world famous yoga teacher and activist. And, uh, I'll, I'll do a little bit more about our, like, you know, technical bio and stuff in a minute, but for, for me and for you too, she, her story is really um, or her her person, just who she is, the type of teacher she is, uh, has really had a huge impact on my life and my recovery and my sobriety and uh, just sort of my growth overall. I went to a yoga retreat at Kripalu when I was in the fall of 2014. I was 20, I think 22 days sober. And I've written about this. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll repost it, but it I was a mess, a mess, mess, mess. And I'll never forget it. I mean, I'll never forget what it looked like outside, how I felt, the guy I was talking to on the way uh, up there that totally ghosted on me for the whole weekend, the fact that I spent a bunch of hours in the car uh, hiding from my friends who I had gone up there with because they were annoyed that I was texting him and I was so caught up in my head, but also spent you know, dozens of hours in this room with Sean Korn for the first time I had taken, I knew who she was. I had followed her story. I had taken some of her online classes, but this was my first, you know, real exposure to her. And I was just, it was like the perfect teacher arrived at the, at the perfect time for where I was. Um, and I went up to her at the end of the weekend and I was, I forced myself to go up to her. I mean, I was, you know, heart pounding and there were a hundred people in that room and I was in the front and I, and I said, if you don't do it now, you know, it's, it's over, you got to do it. Uh, and I, I went up to her, I was the first one and I don't, I don't know what I said. My words were so, um, my words are all over the place, but I did say, I think I blurted out like I'm in recovery. I'm not on a sober 20 days. <laughs> and she has a very fierce, strong presence, but her face and her eyes in that moment, she met, she looked at me and I, I looked away. I remember looking away and just thinking to myself, like, why'd you just look away? Why can't you just look at her? Um, but I was, that's the place I was in. I was in so much shame and I was terrified. I was like a feral animal and she grabbed my hand and she gave me a hug and she said, uh, it's a, it's going to be a tough ass ride, but you can totally do it. Mm. And she gave me some like just practical sort of tips, but I wasn't listening to any of those. What I wanted to hear was what she said then, which was, it's a tough ass ride, but you can totally do it. And she said, I hope you come to, to one of these in a couple of years and you're, you know, you, you've stayed sober and, 
so it was amazing to come back and have a conversation with her, you know, now almost two years later mm-hmm. and be in, you know, have stayed, I did stay sober. Um, and I, you know, all like I write about her non-negotiables. I write about a lot of the stuff that I learned there. I didn't really realize how much she had impacted me as a teacher until we were on this call and you know, we were talking. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, she that that was my deal. And, you know, she was one of those where you kind of just you send the email out and you ask and you just throw it up to the universe and you pretty much assume it might not happen, but I, I got that email and we both were, uh, honored, bored, yeah. honored, excited that Very. she come on. And the reason she did it, you know, is, is that she, um, her publicist said, you know, she gets lots of requests, but she had that the fact that this has to do with, um, Recovery. addiction is yeah. really important to her. And so she, she agreed to do it. It's such a big deal. Yeah, she's she's one of those. Um, she is. She's a, she's she's a yoga teacher, but she's such a teacher. I mean, she's just such a, a leader and a teacher. And she is her presence is is you know if anybody ever gets a chance to actually take a class from her in person, it's like it's going to a sermon on some level. And um, and it's it's for me, my interaction with her was one of those life changing moments as well. And I am really excited to um, to share this. Such an honor to be able to have these conversations and then share this wisdom and um, these wonderful teachers that you and I have found that you found, I found her, I would have never gone to her class. Um, at, I was at Wonderlust. Yeah, you went to Wonderlust, yeah. And the only way I knew about her is because you had talked about her. Um, that was the only way, and, and that was why I was, was keen on going and, and taking, I took a couple classes from her. Um, yeah, I love how that works, though. I knew you would like her. You guys have very similar um, Energy, spirits. yeah. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. and energy. You both have... Uh, really you have kind of a masculine driven like uh you're both I don't know activists in the same way you have the same sort of fierceness about you um I want what she has I mean that is and whenever we want what somebody else has it just means it's it's the spark that we have in us and so I I completely agree I I feel very very drawn to her and her words and um and her her you know I mean her courage and bravery to stand up and say the things that she says. I mean, it's just, it's, she's such a wonderful teacher. So agree. Agree. So she, yeah. Um, we'll post all of her stuff, but she, her big thing is, is yoga, but it's also activism. Her, uh, organization is off the mat and into the world and she does amazing things truly all over the world. Um, so I, you know, aside from, listening to this if anyone has a chance to attend something where she is I would sign up yeah she's also a teacher in yoga glow yes that's right Mm -hmm. she has two my two favorite classes on yoga glow are her uh, hip opening and her shoulder opening classes they're they're and you get a lot of her message in those. She she does her thing she cannot teach yoga without teaching her message yes that's beautiful oh yeah the best all right here we go. Here's Sean. Hey, Sean. Hi. So, who am I Who's who? Who's who? So, this is Laura. I'm Hi, Laura. Yeah. Um, okay. Go ahead, Hall. 
Oh, and this is Holly. <laughs> We're told we have there's trouble distinguishing at first, but um, but hopefully you'll figure it out. I'm in a kind of Holly's in a she's in San Francisco today, and she's in um, a room that she rented. She's in between meetings, so I'm gonna lead most of it because her Wi-Fi is um, a little a little shady. Um, so I will be I'll be um, leading most of it. So it'll be mostly Laura. Um, and we'll just kind of, I know we have it an hour, so I, and I have so many things I want to ask you. Um, but first, thank you so much for doing this. It's You're very welcome. It's, um, I feel very lucky. I took your, I took, um, one of your chakra balancing workshops or weekends at Kripalu last fall mm-hmm. in October. And I was about 20 days sober. And I came up to you like right after um, I forced myself to come up to you right after the weekend was over, and um, you were you were great. And it the whole weekend was was a huge thing for me. I, you know, I'm now almost two years. Or no, this is two years ago. I'm now almost two years sober, and uh, it's stayed with me. Like the things that I that I I went into that weekend such a mess, and the things <laughs> that. I, you know, learned there, I have stayed with me and I've, you know, kind of retaught them to people, um, and passed them on. So we have tons we want to talk to Holly and I, um, both have questions and we'll just sure. kind of jump in. Sure. Well, first of all, I want to just say congratulations. I couldn't be more happy oh, for you to you. hear that. You know, I have a recollection. You wouldn't be the first person who came oh, to sure. my class very fast, like quickly, uh, in their sobriety and that's always makes my heart jump a little bit because I know how vulnerable that time is and how fresh and I also mm-hmm. know that at that point it could go either way totally it could either right. it, it's like in a split second the moment you leave there you could end up using and so as a teacher when I hear that there's just always a part in my in within me like oh please god I get it you know let 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 this let this stick because it's just so fresh. So I'm so happy to hear that two years later that you're sober and now you're helping other people and you're sharing your story, which is even better. Because in the program, I don't know if you're in the program, but mm-hmm. in the program they say that you're only as sick as your secrets. Yeah. And to be able to share this way is very, very powerful. It is. And, you know, you, one of the things you said, which I loved, you you didn't try to say too much, um, which was helpful. You just kind of I think you just gave me a hug and you said it's a tough ass ride and uh, you can totally (laughs) do it. And you told me to put um, some rock, like I asked you for some practical tips just to stay because I was so, like you said, it was so fragile and I'd been trying Mm -hmm. for over a year and I couldn't, I couldn't put more than a, you know, 20 days or so together. And so you told me to put some rock or some salt in a little vial and carry it around in my pocket and just use, you know, try to do things to ground myself and, um, and it, you know, all the, all the little things help, but mostly, you mm-hmm. know, all the stuff I learned over the course of that weekend really, I don't know, validated a lot of things for me. So I want to talk a lot about that and, sure. and just your story. So the, the, you were the first person I heard say that, trauma is anything that exceeds your capacity to cope mm-hmm. you said it a lot um in that weekend and you say it a lot in your teaching and it was really freeing uh can you talk about trauma and like how it gets stored in our bodies and specifically how it relates to addiction cycles sure um 
the, I mean, everyone is in trauma. And I think that that's the thing that's so important to understand. We've all experienced it to one degree or the other. And trauma is defined as anything that overwhelms your capacity to cope and leaves you feeling helpless, hopeless, or out of control. And when we've had events in our life that deregulate our nervous system in that capacity, chemicals are released from our brain, they enter into the body, of course, and we're put in what's called fight, flight, or freeze. And so there's an imprint in our body that lets us know that we're not safe and that we have to shift to some sort of a survival mode. Um, and so obviously we know of shock trauma, you know, incidences that are intense, uh, immediate war, uh, a mugging, rape, right. things of that nature, that's shock trauma. But there's also um, other kinds of traumas that can happen that might not seem traumatic perhaps to one person, but might be very much so to someone else. Any kind of loss, of course, bullying, for example, could be very, very traumatic. Yep. Now, in the practice of yoga, we're taught that there's no separation between anything, that everything is connected, and that includes the mind and the body. So we're always having this, this psychosomatic experience. Our body remembers everything, and mm -hmm. all of the events in our life live within our cellular structure. And in the yoga practice, we're also taught that everything is energy. Right. Um, energy is vibration with information. And so there are certain energies that you can see. It's gross energy, um, your computer, for example, or the table in front of you. Um, these, are these are vibrations that move slow enough so that our eye can see it. But there are vibrations that are invisible. These are called subtle vibrations, and they can come through in any experience, including our languaging. Yeah. So love is a vibration, for example. So is joy. But so is anger, hate, shame, rage, guilt, grief, these very yep. typical human emotions that can also be called our shadow emotions. So when we experience trauma, there's usually a shadow emotion or emotions that follow. It's usually attached to rage, shame, guilt, grief, fear. Yeah. And if as children we've experienced a trauma where there's been this intensified emotional experience if we've been given the opportunity via our parents to communicate express cry scream rage and discharge or release the energy of that trauma yep. then it moves through us but unfortunately many of us are taught to suppress to get over it to over understand or to analyze we can often get shamed for our big feelings mm -hmm or given substances that could include food as a way to numb out or anesthetize. And what happens is when the vibration of shame, fear, grief, guilt, etc., gets suppressed, it stays in the body and it manifests as the tension that we experience even as adults. Yeah. Ten tension, stress, and anxiety are the number one causes of illness today. So what happens in life is that we continually get triggered and there or activated meaning that i might meet you on the street you say something to me maybe it's what you're wearing or the smell of your skin or the words that you use or something about the way that you look yep in the unconscious it reminds me of dot 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 and i again i go back to that place of the original assault it's called time traveling it and again it's in the, i'm not aware of any of this 
all, I am no longer in present time. I'm back to that original imprint. My body contracts and I react to you based on that old imprint or old information. And this is how so much conflict gets created, so much misinformation. Um, and all I know is I don't feel comfortable in my skin yeah. and I don't feel good. And my impulse then is to change the way I feel. And that's where alcohol, drugs, sex, food, yep. gambling, uh, shopping, watching too much TV, all of these other external forms to anesthetize can show up so that we don't actually have to deal with the original discomfort does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. <clears throat> and I've heard you explain it before, but that was, it just, it makes so much sense when it's said like that, right? Mm -hmm. It makes so much sense. And it's also, um, what strikes me is how, what a slippery slope it is to relearn, you know, if you've done this thing, you know, drinking or drugs or whatever for however many years to relearn ways to not bypass, the, you know, to, to, to relearn ways to do it, to, co to mm -hmm. cope with it. So, so I have, I have a really quick question. Sean, when you talk about this, you sound, it sounds a lot like uh, uh, Levine's method or somatic experiencing. How did you, I've never heard a yoga teacher really talk about it uh, to that. Um, I mean that I've never heard, I've never heard a yoga teacher talk about it that eloquently. Like, where do you under, where did you pull together this understanding of that trauma of that, of, of what you just led us through? Um, I've been doing trauma. Um, I've been work doing work on a personal level on trauma since I was 18, mm -hmm. and my yoga practice was one of the ways that I was able to do a lot of deep healing work. And it wasn't until I would say for the first five years of my practice of yoga, from the time I was 18 to my early 20s, my practice was very physical. It was not emotional. It was not spiritual. Right. Um, but mm -hmm. I felt better after a yoga practice um, because I was moving the tension. I wasn't going underneath the tension. I wasn't finding out yet that what the core was yeah. because yeah. my body was so, um, my survival mechanism was so heightened yeah. that I was very much addicted to my tension. Um, mm -hmm. I was easily triggered and it took, I'd say five years to feel safe enough on a deep, um, psycho uh, psychological level to get underneath the tension and have an emotional response. Mm -hmm. And it was one day in a yoga class. I had a, a very emotional experience. I had seen other people do it. I never understood it. I never understood when people would cry in a yoga class. It made no sense. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Until it happened. And I was shaking, not knowing that what was happening was that the emotion that had been living in my body for all those years that was so protected by the tension was releasing. Yeah. And it, I felt this overwhelming sense of relief, yet also a strange underlying sense of terror mm -hmm. because I understood tension and I understood control. I did not understand vulnerability. That was a, not a safe emotional place for me to be in. So there was a little period of time where my yoga practice started to feel a little threatening yeah. because suddenly yeah. I'm this emotional mess and I didn't know what to do with it. So that took me to the next phase of my understanding of the mind-body connection, which was via the chakra system through Anadeya Judith, her book, The Wheels of Life and Eastern Body, Western Mind, and Carolyn Mace's book, mm -hmm. Anatomy of the Spirit. Those two books started to help me to understand that there's an energy system within our body and that our body receives information from the external world and that if we're not 
confronting the some of our own limited beliefs, it blocks this energy and it stops the flow of prana, chi, for another word is chi, from moving through the body. Yeah. So again, it was it it was very clinical, my understanding of the mind-body connection. I started looking into the different parts of the body that held on to different trauma and see if there was a correlation between tension, let's say, in my legs and my relationship with my family or religion or education or my tribal relationships within the planet itself. And it's helped me to begin this process of unraveling my narrative, really looking at my story and my attachment to that story. And so from understanding the chakras, simultaneously, I was working with a therapist who was teaching me to do what's called rinsing, anger work, helping to process the animal energy and not be afraid of it or think it's unspiritual, Yeah, um, right. which in the yoga community, in the spirituality communities, rage, shame, guilt, grief, all that seem very base emotions, something that is bad or wrong or unspiritual, we tend to want to go very quickly to love, forgiveness, etc., mm-hmm. without realizing that you can't really forgive until you also go to the place of your limited beliefs and your attachment to them. It's a process that really does take time because we're so deeply conditioned. And it's forgiveness without all the other work can be very inauthentic and hurtful to ourselves. So compassion requires us to go towards judgment, to understand first our attachment to the judgment, and then we can transcend. So I went through a deep healing process working with a woman named Mona, Mona Miller, who who's unfortunately died just a few years ago. But I worked with her for about 11 years doing rinsing work and, and a lot of this anger work. And then started to work with uh, different kinds of therapists, including somatic therapists, mm-hmm. who helped me to understand sensation and learning how to connect to the sensation in my body and my reaction to that sensation. And that really started to tie all of it together for me and yeah. taught me how to understand, uh, for example, because of my own trauma. I had obsessive compulsive disorder growing up. It wasn't called that then because it wasn't diagnosable. It was just a quirky behavior mm-hmm. um, that I was you know, told to, to get over, to stop it, not realizing that my relationship to OCD, I was obsessed with the numbers fours and eights, and I did things in order because it was a way for me when anxiety came up. The anxiety is a sensation. I didn't know what to do with that sensation. The only way to relax my nervous system, self-soothe, if you will, was by counting things in even numbers or walking into things in even numbers, swallowing, blinking, etc. And by doing that, it would regulate my nervous system and help to de-escalate the the, uh, anxiety. Some people use alcohol to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was at that time too young, so I used what's called patterning. When I got into yoga and started to understand sensation, Now, if anxiety comes up, I recognize it as a sensation. I breathe into it. I watch my nervous system escalate. It's uncomfortable at first. I notice my impulse to want to react or to use substances to de-escalate. And I wait and I breathe. And what I've learned from this process is when you breathe and you stay present to the sensation, it changes. It becomes something else. And if you can tolerate the discomfort 
and have patience, everything becomes something else. And that was critical to my personal process and the way in which I teach today. Didn't you have a, you just reminded me of a story, didn't you have a yoga teacher that said, breathe in and it all changes because Mm -hmm. didn't they step on your foot, one foot and it really bothered you? Can you talk, can you talk about that? That was when I first moved to New York City and I first started teaching yoga. And when I moved away from home, I was young, I was 17 and Moving into the city was a big deal for a young person with no education, you know, and I was partying really, really hard at that time. And I had a lot of anxiety and it was scary, just the money and how I was for this. And my OCD got really bad at that time. Um, And it was very secretive. It was very isolating. I lived on the fourth floor of a walk-up, thank God, because I couldn't have lived on the fifth floor. (laughs) And every day I would have to, I would leave and I would count the stairs. Did you do that on purpose? I probably <laughs> okay. there's no way I would have lived on the fifth floor of a walk-up it's just it wouldn't have happened or the third floor yeah um, okay it would have needed to have been the second floor uh or the fourth um so my guess is that probably you know or I just lucked out yeah <laughs> but there were 56 steps and every day I would leave my apartment and I would count the 56 steps to the bottom and as soon as I got to the bottom I'd have to turn around and go back up to the stairs and check the lock, even though I knew I locked the door. Yeah. And now I've done that one time. So now I have to repeat it four, uh, three more times. So it makes four. And this would, you know, obviously this could take a good 15 minutes or so to accomplish. And that God. became something I did every single day. And, and it wasn't just that. That's one example of many little different things that I had to yeah. do. There was a lot of superstition. Like if I didn't do it, I was deeply afraid someone would get hurt or even die and that somehow I was responsible. I was a complicated young person. Yeah. And um, I was at that point, um, I had just gotten into yoga and uh, I was in therapy um, just starting to, I don't even think I had shared the OCD yet at this point. Because I didn't know it was OCD. Yeah, right. Did you, I mean, and there didn't, did you have some shame about it or did you realize you were doing it? Yeah. I didn't have shame about it as a kid because it was quirky and I was very open about it. Yeah. And everyone in my family knew, my friends knew it was just this joke and they would mess with me, like poke me on one shoulder and say, you know, like, do you feel unbalanced? But when I got to New York, I realized it was something more than just a quirky behavior. Mm -hmm. I I started to, I didn't have the language. I didn't understand anxiety. Like these weren't words that would have been a part of my upbringing. And I didn't understand some of the deeper fears that I held uh, spiritually, even the superstition that people were going to die. It was a part of me trying to play God and control, you know, the outcome because I didn't really believe that there was a higher power and I wasn't taught to believe that. And so um, I I started to feel some shame, some discomfort around it. Um, I, I could definitely see it was getting in the way of certain of certain things for me socially. And I'm in a yoga class and I'm in downward dog and my teacher, uh, walked by me and he accidentally stepped on, uh, stepped or kicked one of my feet, you know, while I was in downward dog. And immediately I remember breathing really deep and I could feel the anxiety come up really fast in my body. And I started to obsess. I could feel the imbalance in my body. I could feel the sensation in my, in my one foot compared to the other. And all I kept thinking about is how I was going to manage to find a way to get him to touch my other foot. Um, I knew like what I do all the time. I accidentally trip on people, you know, like that was my thing. If someone yeah. 
touched me, I would accidentally like fall into them and find a way to get re- replicate the action that I need. Yep. And so I was trying to think like, okay, I can roll up my mat. I can go say goodbye to him. The floors are uneven. I can trip. I can, I can kick his foot with my other foot and then job done. And that's when the teacher said, uh, breathe and everything changes. And I remember hearing him say that. And I t- instantaneously just like Pavlov's dog, I guess I just took a deep breath mm-hmm. and nothing changed. Actually mm-hmm. the anxiety, I felt it get worse. And I did it again. I took another really deep breath, exhaled, and the anxiety, again, it heightened, and I could feel the heat in my body. And then I don't know if it was the third, fourth, fifth, or tenth breath, but something shifted. Something shifted in my body, and something started to level out. And I remember when class was over, uh, I still had to keep breathing, and I still felt a low-grade anxiety, but I was able to leave the class without tripping and having him replicate the action on my other foot. Right, just and, the once. Yep, and I felt okay. And I thought, okay, that was very odd. And the next day when I left my apartment and I counted the 56 steps down, I turned around to go back up and I stopped and wow. I sat at the bottom step and I just breathed and breathed and breathed. And I must have sat on that bottom step, I don't know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour. I just breathed and the anxiety was so bad and I yeah. knew that I could change it if I just... It would take me, you know, 10 minutes. I could change this. But I thought, no, you got to work through it. And I just kept breathing. And then finally the anxiety, it, it just dissipated. And I eventually was able to walk out of my apartment and get on with my day. Yeah. And I pretty much did that every single day until I was able to not have to go up the stairs um, at all. I could just leave. And I didn't even have to count the stairs. And, um, I mean, it took a while. It was definitely a process. Yeah. But uh, OCD healed for me because of breathing and understanding sensation. Yeah, and I'm glad you're talking. I mean, we haven't talked to anybody about OCD, but it is something that comes a lot up a lot with um, our listeners and people that, you know, write to us. And I think because it's, it's similar, you know, to addictive behavior. It comes from the oh, same yeah. place, it seems, that, you know, yeah. you're seeking to control a situation Mm-hmm. Um, that you can't control. I mean, what you just described as you're sitting, uh, you know, when you're sitting on the steps is just brought me to any hundreds or thousands of times that I wanted to drink, but, mm-hmm. you know, knew I couldn't or shouldn't. And, you know, writing through that, that mm-hmm. impulse with breath. Um, but the almost, you know, it's almost unbearable until, you know, maybe you do it the first time. Mm-hmm. So, Hal, do you want to ask anything more about the OCD or do you, as I, I want to make sure we, I don't want to like stay there, but, um, <laughs> but I, we've never talked about it before and I know it's something a lot of people are going to get relief from hearing. Maybe it's just that, um, you know, maybe what you've said is, is helpful enough. I think well, it's great. She also, you know, I think, um, I mean, there's so many things I want to, there are really a lot of things I want to ask that I think, um, also people will be really interested in hearing about. Um, and I, the thing that has really, really struck me in this conversation is something that Laura has said, um, and, and quoted you on saying a lot, which is you can't skip the fuck you, which you said, you can't skip the mm-hmm. fuck you to get to the forgive you. You didn't say it explicitly. Um, she I did think, say it I think, Yes, I did. Did you <laughs> yeah. say it? Okay. I didn't Not in this podcast, podcast, but she said no, it. but she has said it explicitly. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. But yeah. in this, in this podcast. Yes, you did. I didn't but, put um, fuckies in her mouth. <laughs> yeah, no, but um, I I really would love um, 
you know, that that's something before we get too far away from it. I really, really want to talk about that because I think that's one of these things and it's something that I've suffered from and it's what so many of us suffer from, which is when we're trying to change the way we operate in this world, especially when we're trying to change the way we operate in this world from uh, when we're breaking addiction, we start to move into this other space where we are applying all these lessons and trying to work and operate in the world differently and, and at a higher vibe. And, and so many of us get caught in this trap of, of, um, of thinking anger is wrong or of thinking yeah. that these emotions, these really raw and guttural and, and these emotions that we experience when we actually stop numbing out, mm -hmm. um, are wrong. And so I just think that's such a fast, like it's such an important concept. And I just wanted to, I wanted to talk a little bit more about, about that specifically too, yeah. before we went too I'll far. frame it in one more little piece is a lot of the, we talk mostly to women and a lot of them are surprised with how angry they are when they stop yeah. using. Mm -hmm. Well, they're yeah. shamed by it, too. They think yeah. that there's something wrong with it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, there's... Oh, yeah, Because I mean, sure. we're not told to be angry in this society. We're told to be ladylike. And it's it's not a ladylike emotion. And, um, yeah, sorry, keep going, Laura. No, that's all. I just... I, I think addressing that would be would be great. Well, the, the quote is, you can't get to the bless you until you go through the fuck you. Like, it's... I see so much bypass happen. And, of course, we want to live in that state of grace. And we want to be compassionate, open, loving human beings. But we're also human beings. And that's really important that there has to be space for all aspects of who we are. Otherwise, it comes out sideways. You know, meaning that no matter how much I know, if I don't... if let me put it this way. Even to this day, if something comes up for me and I feel triggered, before I respond to a situation, I'll go into my yoga room and I'll write a fuck you letter. And so that I get to the ugly, I get to the ego of it, the judgment, the concern, whatever it is. Um, and I don't get spiritual at all. I go ugly mm -hmm. and try to let go of that part of my brain that's going, but yeah, and but she didn't get rid of that. Just let's see what's in the unconscious, what needs to come through first. You give it a little life, give it a little voice. Mm -hmm. And so I'll write my fuck you letter. It's not a letter I want to send ever, <laughs> but I'm going to be like, okay, <laughs> there it is, there it is. And then let's say it's about a particular person. Then I'm going to write, dear so-and-so, when I look at you, I see and feel. And again, I'm not going to go spiritual. I'm going to go judgment, mm -hmm. real judgment. And then I'm going to get to, I'm going to write, I'm angry because, and I'm going to write it out, everything, what's going through me. Mm -hmm. Then I'm going to write, I'm scared because, same thing. Or I'm jealous because, um, I'm insecure be because, until I can get to the final piece, which is I'm sad because. Because usually our anger is masking the truth, which is our grief. Because we're not taught to deal with our vulnerability, we're not taught to deal with our grief. And so we, our anger materializes and then we suppress it because it's ugly or bad. And so I'm going to process all the humanity until I can get to my grief. Then I might go back to that fuck you letter and everywhere that I wrote you, I might cross it out and write me and then reread the letter so that I can see what the projection is, what is there parts of which I'm rejecting or judging in someone else that I've rejected or I'm judging in myself. And 
that will also help me to, to start to cultivate some compassion. But I don't want to move too quickly to the spiritual. Yeah. I want to stay with the humanity because it's really vitally important because it's an energy. And I think it has it has enormous amount of value. I know I'm an angry, angry person. But if it's, and I should be, life is intense and it's hard. There's oppression, there's violence, there's racism, there's sexism, ableism, homophobia, transphobia. There's a lot of things that we've inherited as women, as human beings. It's, it's historical, cultural, gender trauma that lives in our body, even in the unconscious. Yeah. Of course we're angry. And without a place to process it is why we will turn to substances as a way to disconnect from it. But yeah. if we can learn how to embrace our own humanity, then when I meet you or anyone else in the world and they're in their anger or in their fear or in their shame or in their rage, I'm not going to judge. I'm going to empathize. I'm mm -hmm. going to see the part of their shadow that I recognize within myself. And when I can embrace my shadow and love it and not think that it should be gone already, but learn how to be in relationship with it so that it's not running the show. I'm running the show. The highest part of me is running the show. Mm -hmm. But my little girl's going to come up every once in a while and say, remember me? And yeah. so if I'm suppressing her, she's just going to kick and scream and act out until I pay attention. So when I learn to love her and embrace not my narrative, but my soul, then truly I will have empathy for other people in the world and be able to see them, witness them in their pain and in their beauty. And it comes from my own spiritual practice. I really believe that we are all here. We're all here to awaken, to remember who we are, to trust the God within us. The thing that blocks us from the relationship with our higher power is really our humanity. It's the fear, the grief, the rage, the shame. So our work on this path to learn how to be in relationship and to open that energy so that we can expose the light which, which is within us. But if we completely got rid of that shadow self, we'd be enlightened. And that's not a reality for any of us. That takes yeah. lifetimes. Yeah. So how do we become empowered by our humanity? Learn mm -hmm. from it. Let it teach us. Let it guide us. And recognize that we're going to get triggered. We're going to feel emotions that are real at times intense and overwhelming. And the impulse is to change the emotion via substance rather than just be with it, learn from it, breathe into it, and recognize it will evolve and grow into something else if we give it enough space. And it can teach us how to really love the fragileness of our own slowly developing soul. And then I can be in service to the world around me. You know, I, I mean, I, when people come to me and they're doing what, what you did was when you came to me and told me that you're 20 days sober, um, there's no part of me that wants to like, oh, I want to fix this. Oh, I want to change yeah. this. I know that you're on your path. All I can That's do right. is pray that you get the tools, the support, yeah. and the guidance to help you to reframe your narrative. But I can't control the end result of that. But in my heart, I can think, oh, God, please yeah. let her let her meet who she truly is because this moment in time is going to inform her empowerment in a way she can't yet know. And so, and I can only know that because I've walked it. That's yeah. empathy. And so, 
that that's that's my response to all that. Yeah, and the beautiful thing about it is that you continue to walk it, right? And you're not saying like that you're at some other place at this point. This is a process that you continue to go through. And I think that's like such an important distinction is that we don't ever rid ourselves of like this humanness. We don't ever get to this point where we just don't we're not subject to feeling anger. We're not subject to going through the motions and having to actually allow parts of ourselves to show that like allowing those parts, the darker parts, the shadow parts to actually come up. Um, that it's always going to be that way. So many of us along this path start to think like, well, I should be at this point by now where this stuff doesn't affect me. I should be like experiencing this like enlightened way of being, um, which just isn't the case. I mean, it's just never the case. No. And also spiritually, like I'm a big believer, you know, if you like, I'm a big owner, like I believe in owning and breaking shame and just like acknowledgement because you will, you will manifest to you, not because you're being punished, but because it's an answer to the prayer but often you will manifest the thing to you that is um, the thing that you most resist that's keeping you from being in relationship with the God of your own understanding. And so for me, I like to name right away like the shadow self because I know that if I'm in denial of it, it'll come out later in a way that's unexpected. At least now I can anticipate it and it's like, okay, I know I'm going to have to deal with this my anger. I know I'm going to have to deal with my judgment. So when it shows up, I'm not like, why did this happen? It's like, okay, here you are. Now let's work with this. Yeah. I, I want, and I hope this isn't like jerking it back too much, but I feel like we have this language because we've, you know, you've been teaching yoga for 20 some years and I've been practicing for for over a decade in Holly too and we have this sort of language right and then we have this language in recovery too but what about somebody who doesn't know yoga doesn't know what it is and doesn't you know is is struggling to get sober is new new to this and they're hearing you know shadow and (laughs) all these Mm -hmm. words that sound that don't make sense Mm -hmm. like where do they start what's their way in with Uh the yoga practice well, or what, what, what anyway, I, I think what anyone needs to know is that it is a process and yoga will meet you where you're at, that they're not supposed to. And I put this in quotes, get it all today in one day. Mm-hmm. Just find a beginner basic class, learn the technique and notice how you feel from the beginning of a class to the end of the class. That's mm-hmm. it. Just ask yourself questions while you're practicing how do I feel? Am I in relationship with my body? Do I feel, where do I feel tension? Like just keep it very, very simple. And I think that's critical. Um, I mean, if someone's just newly getting sober and they're looking for just healing modalities, just if they have the resources, yoga, therapy, the program or some other form of support and fellowship, Mm -hmm. these are the things that are really, really critical. Um, there's yoga and 12 step recovery, which I think is an excellent, uh, program for people who, um, want to be in fellowship. They do their yoga practice. It's for mixed levels. And then there's a meeting held, um, after I always Mm -hmm. believe that any kind of talk therapy, even the program, a lot of times the information can stay up in the head, but when you breathe and move and it becomes embodied, the experience can be really, the healing experience can be really accelerated. Um, yeah, because we know so much, like we, you know, a lot, a lot of women that come to us are super high functioning. I mean, I was, you have all this knowledge in your head, but when you go into your body, it's, it's such a different thing. Yep. 
yeah, like experience, the playing field right? is yeah. leveled. Yes. Yeah, it really is <laughs> yes. because your body remembers differently. My body holds on to the information of my six-year-old, my eight-year-old, my 14-year-old, you know, every loss, every grief, every heartbreak I've ever had. And even though I have great skills to reconcile, there are moments in time that'll still take my breath away. Mm. And, and even as an adult, I'll have a moment of like, oh my God, I know that feeling. And suddenly I'm back to being that eight-year-old once again. And I think that that's, it's so important that we give ourselves embodied practices so that we can constantly keep in touch with our body to see what's truly going on, not what's going on in our intellectual mind, but what's happening within our feeling body. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's so important what you said about it took you five years before you had your first emotional, like, um, like before you actually tapped into the stuff underneath mm-hmm. on your yoga mat, because there's, for me, that was the same. It was even longer. It took me probably, um, I mean, probably close to 10 years. I did Bikram yoga and then I did vinyasa yoga, but I didn't have any sort of, I didn't use yoga for emotions. I used it for, you know, a tight ass and mm-hmm. good thighs. And yeah. it was not, it was not an emotional practice for me. I knew it settled me down, but it wasn't until I started to get sober that it actually tra- transformed into something mm-hmm. um, that carried me and that allowed me to process stuff out and to be with myself and this, this higher level stuff. But you're so right in saying that, like, it doesn't have to, you don't have to walk into a yoga class and, and understand chakras and understand, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, what, you know, yoke or the eight limbs or any of that crap. You really, truly just get on the mat. And then it starts mm-hmm. to unfold when you just continue to return in its own time. Yeah. And it takes a really long time for it to become mm-hmm. um, what it is. But um, you also get, yeah, but you also get benefits like pretty quick. I mean, I want to yes. say that too. It's not like a, sure. a long trudge, you know. Mm-hmm. To realize something quickly. It depends on each individual. Some people's benefits are physical. Some people come in and it's immediately spiritual. And some people, they come in their first class and they're in a fetal position crying. And someone like me, it just took five years to penetrate Mm. the deeper layers of tension to be able to access uh, uh, the the core of myself and for me to feel Mm. safe enough to finally let the tension go because that had never been safe for me. Yeah. And, but I still got healthier. I still felt better. It, the yoga practice in those first five years is when I quit smoking and drinking and doing and doing drugs. And yeah. so all of that was instrumental in like cleansing my physical and emotional body to prepare me for some of the even deeper work that yeah. I wasn't re- yet ready for. Isn't that funny? Because you didn't, you didn't know that that's what you were doing, right? No. Way. <laughs> <laughs> so can I ask you about um, kind of along the same line? So you know, yoga, self-care, a lot of times uh, it's seen as like squishy and privileged. And um, I want to talk about your message and your style immediately from the first time I took one of your classes made me sit up differently um, because you convey a seriousness uh, and sort of a responsibility about what you're doing on the map, what we are all doing. Um, so I'm, won- I'm wondering if you can talk about that a little bit about, you know, taking the responsibility of taking care of yourself and why it's not, it's not squishy. I mean, it feels yeah. good sometimes, but it, that's not really what we're doing. I mean, I, 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 again, there's so many different kinds of yoga and there's so many different ways to enter into the experience. And as a yoga teacher, you share what you're passionate about and what you're committed to. I don't suggest that my way is the way. Right. It's my way, though, and I'm very deeply committed to, as authentically as I can, conveying uh, a message that 
I hope that the people who come to me are inspired by and motivated by. My feeling is when I look around the yoga room, I can't believe how privileged that we are to be in that room and have access to tools and skills for self-development, healing, and actualization. And I don't know why, like on a karmic level, I don't know why we've all magnetized to these practices when there's other forms of exercises that are a lot less confrontational emotionally and ask lesser questions of an individual. And so there must be a part of everyone's consciousness who enters into a yoga place space that wants transformation, that wants transcendence. So I walk into a space with that assumption that you might not be aware of this on the conscious, but I think all of us are looking to wake up. Why? Why is that important to us? Why do we, what's that going to serve the individual? And when the individual wakes up, what does that mean for society? And so for me, it, my pathway has been very much about the individual at first. First, it was my physical body, my health and my wellness. Mm -hmm. Then it was my emotional body and learning how to deal with my traumas, my narrative and my personal psychological healing. And then the third realm became about the we, about now that I am happier and healthier, more centered and grounded. All of a sudden I look around the world and think, this is bullshit. People are reacting the way that they're reacting is because they're in trauma. They don't have the skills for reconciliation. And there's too much conditioning on a societal level that if it doesn't feel good, fix it via resources like drugs, alcohol, sex, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, And yet the end result when you stay in the shadow in that way is going to be continued addiction. It's going to be death. It's going to be unimaginable violence, more separation, which is the opposite of yoga. Whereas yoga teaches us that everything is connected and that the only way for peace to truly be made manifest in the world is if the individual awakens, reconciles the conflict within themselves and the way in which we create separation towards perceived other and move towards healing because what's happening out in the world is only a manifestation of our collective thoughts. The world is a manifestation of each individual. So I believe that there's a revolution that really is at hand and it's an inside out job. It's a revolution from within. So if I can change my limited beliefs, if I can confront the shadow self, if I can take accountability for the impulse that I have to reject another person or deny another person or insult another person, then perhaps I can heal that separation and then be a part of the inevitability of peace that can come when we put love first. So my message is I look around the room and I think, oh my God, we're, we're it. We're the, we're the community that is actually looking for tools for self-actualization. And if we can do this and then go out into the world and everything that we do say and create is done in the name of love, peace is the inevitable outcome. And so I think that that's where the urgency of my message comes from. <laughs> that's so awesome. I'm sure, Holly, are you just like fist raised to the sky? Yeah, well, I mean, so I found you, I went to Wonderlust in Oahu to, was it not, it wasn't this year, it was the year before, and I'd never taken a class, but Laura asked me to come to the the, uh, Kripalu or Omega, I can't remember where it was, but Laura asked me before, so I knew a little bit about you, but I had never taken a class by you, and I was at this point where I wanted to, I left my job as an accountant, and I moved into creating, um, to blogging and talking about addiction, and my dream was to create some sort of, um, 
some sort of way to help, you know, like by using my story, but creating something big. I wanted to do something very, very big. And from the beginning, the thing that drove me in this was the social justice aspect of it and was just this You wanted fierceness. to do something big in addiction. Just, I did. I yeah. wanted to do something big in addiction, but I also had this like kind of, um, you know, fight in me and I had lost it and I didn't know what, I mean, I was running out of money and I thought it was crazy. And I, I went to Hawaii as a last ditch effort to do a couple things. And then there you were. And I was in this class and I didn't, I don't remember the yoga at all. Um, and you taught like one class indoors and you taught one class out, but like you just, it was, it was just so, um, I'd never had a yoga teacher like that before where you, you were preaching. And, um, in, in my, in my experience, like I wanted to quit and run away and I didn't feel strong enough to do the thing that I felt that I needed to do. And then I walked away from that and I felt like, um, you know, I, I don't know how else to put it other than to say I felt galvanized and I felt like I was ready to go out and fight my fight again. And so I, it's just funny cause I, when I had that interaction with you and I talked to you after it as well, had that interaction with you, I didn't feel like you were a yoga teacher. I felt like you were a leader um, that was leading us into action. And I'm just curious about what your thoughts are about that. Like, I know you're a yoga teacher, clearly, and yoga is, you know, but I'm just wondering what you what you think your job is. Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. It's, uh, uh, you know, it's something I ask myself all the time. Um, but I, I know that I am a leader and that that is my role in my community. And it's and it's been very difficult um, to take ownership of that without feeling the need to apologize, okay. especially as a woman. Yeah, um, that's right. That I've worked very hard to confront the limited beliefs that I have, to find my voice, and to be in service to something bigger than myself. And I think that that's how I I come to my self confidence. I serve God, and that is my commitment each and every single day. And to be a part of creating a world that is fair, equal, free, and just for all requires not just one, but many voices willing to take a risk and speak truth, both to power and speak truth to, uh, in my case, the people who come to me that already know in their souls what to do and how to do it, but because of their own limited beliefs are in their way, yeah. uh, in their own way. So my feeling is, as a servant of God, I feel like my job is to remind people of what they already know is true. And when I'm doing that, it's no longer about me. Um, actually, I can get in the way. If my insecurity comes up, if my limited beliefs come up, and they block the power of my voice, then a part of me thinks, how dare you? How dare you, Sean? Like, allow for that smaller part of yourself to get in the way of delivering a message that's not about me um, to someone like, like you just said, to galvanize someone like you, you know, you walked out. That's what I need. One person to walk away from that room thinking, fuck, this is on me. Yeah. I get yeah. to do this. Yep. That's and right. so it's permission too, right? Like it's total permission to do what we need to do and what we think we need to do. Very and often just, when I, yeah. But where, very often when I'm in a class, there's only one person in that room I'm never really speaking to, and that's me. Yeah. I'm yeah. saying out loud the things that I need to hear. Of course. But I do know that I'm a leader in the community. I'm committed to, to leadership. I'm committed, committing to, committed to modeling um, a feminine role of leadership, which is not hierarchical, which mm -hmm. is um, it's a horizontal model of leadership. Um, a feminine model of leadership is about calling, not calling people out, but calling them up. And... Mm not being threatened by working with 
other people, um, different people than myself, but people in power, finding their own level of empowerment, finding different skills and talents to aggregate the energy to serve, again, something higher. And so although I am a yoga teacher, I do recognize that I'm a leader in, in my community. And I've just tried to develop the skills to allow me to do that with more confidence um, and a little bit more ease. But I, you know, over the years I've, I've struggled with it. I've second guessed it. I've minimized mm. it um, mm. as we do. And, yeah. um, but I do know that that was, that is what my role is. Good. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it was just so clear. It was so clear. I'd never heard anybody talk like you and, and that's important. I'd never heard anybody talk like you. It seems like yoga to me and I, um, you know, I don't want to put any words in your mouth, but I know, you know, it's speaking to other people too, like yoga is kind of your way in and it's, it's like your, your platform and your way in, but, um, your work is so much bigger than that. And a lot of people too, I mean, we're not talking about the physical practice of yoga. The, no. the, uh, it's, if you go really to all of it, it's all encompassing. So there's not one bit that could be left out of it. Mm. Um, so what I, I don't, and maybe I want to be mindful of time. We do, we'll, we will stop like at the hour. Um, I, I don't want to go into the question I was going to ask because what I was going to ask you, Sean, was about the going back to when you kind of faced your, your own grief and your own shadow when you worked with kids, those kids. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I think it's too long of a story. Well, I'm really <laughs> curious what I really want. I haven't heard you say in, in the stuff I've looked at, I'm really curious to get from you is we're at a very big, I mean, it's palpable. We're at a really big crossroads. Like the world is, I feel falling apart at an accelerated race and there's a lot more people standing up. There's a lot more people waking up. What do you think is happening right now? And like, where do you think this is all going? Like, that's what I'm curious about. Like, do you feel that? Do you see that? Do you think that this is like a time where we're starting to like um, revolve and and to step back into a place where um, or to step into a new place? Uh, there's something very, very fascinating that is happening, especially in this political climate. When you look mm -hmm. at someone that it, our nation is so incredibly polarized and you have these candidates who are reflecting uh, the shadow and the light within our culture. Yes. And and but what's interesting is what might be the shadow for me is the light for someone else and vice versa. Yeah. And but it's very very polarized. So as a spiritualist, I step back and think, no, this is it's like everyone please pay attention because it's we're what's these candidates are representing the shadow within ourselves. We can't expect these candidates to change unless we can identify the parts of us that are those candidates, that are the, the Hillary and the Trump yeah. and the Bernie. We embody all of it. And so how do we take accountability and responsibility for the, our contribution to the breakdown in our culture? And so, yes, if we continue on the path that we are continuing on, this is not this is not like brain surgery. It's really just, you know, the inevitability of science. We are heading towards the destruction of the planet and we're heading towards the destruction of um, the people within this planet. It's just an inevitable outcome of selfishness and greed and oppression and violence. Yeah. Um, and we can transform that. And it means, because what's happening out there is systemic, but systems are made up of people. Change the people, you change the systems. Yeah. And so I'm committed to changing the people. And that includes myself. I'm not exempt from this. Yeah, and right. so I, but I'm committed to being in that process, um, you know, uh, uh, about what needs to be transformed within 
so that we can be a part of creating a society um, that is more mindful. Now, is it a guarantee that this will happen? I have no idea. I have, right. I have no idea. But I do know what's a guarantee. If we don't do anything, the inevitability is is right up in our face. So it's a chance that I'm willing to take personally. And it's what I hope everyone will do. Let's see what happens if we as a society can really put humanity above everything else. And that includes economy. Um, and if we can do that, maybe there is a chance that this world can be what it should be, sustained and abundant for all, regardless of religion, regardless of color, regardless of gender, regardless of sexuality, age, abilities, on and on and on. And through the lens of yoga, where we can see that we are all one. That doesn't mean we're all the same. We have to learn how to live within the differences, accept the differences, learn from the differences. But on an energetic level, we are all connected. What impacts the one impacts the whole. Yeah. Uh, I love it. <laughs> I yeah. love it. I I don't know if we, I, yeah, should we stop there? I feel like that's a, that's that's a beautiful a really place, place to stop. <laughs> uh, thank you. God, thank you so much. I, I'm truly, truly so grateful just for you as a person and all that you, that you've done and for taking time with us. Um, Thank you. Your message, you. We are going to have some very, very happy people when this airs next week to to see that you're there, Mm -hmm. that (laughs) That you're there and talking. Mm -hmm. Thank you. It makes me very, very happy, and I'm so glad that you guys are doing this. I mean, so it it's vitally important to have these conversations and just to offer people glimpses into themselves and into what's possible and to hear the myriad of voices. Mine is not the only one, and if someone who's listening doesn't connect with my message. There are thousands of other people that have basically it's the same message, but coming at it from a different way that for whatever reason, one nervous system responds to one message in one way and someone else's nervous system responds in another way. I know. So if someone doesn't connect to me, maybe they'll connect to some of the other speakers that you have, you know, coming up. Um, So I want to encourage everyone, don't get discouraged if you if you hear me or someone else speak and you're like, oh, that doesn't land. Yeah. Keep paying attention oh. because when you're ready, the seeds are already being planted. But when you're ready, you're going to be able to hear from your heart, not from your head. And it will not, it'll never be a second too soon. It will be exactly when you're ready for it. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that. And you mentioned so mm-hmm. many teachers. Like, we'll link to all. I wrote down a bunch of notes. So that, mm-hmm. you know, and you have even just, you mentioned Caroline Mace, who I love. Mm-hmm. Um, Anna, what'd you say? Anna, Anna Dea Judith. Anna, Anna Dea Judith. Judith. I, could, I wrote, my notes are scratchy. And then Mona Miller is someone you told me to, to look into yeah. um, when she I. She said, but she has a book, Invisible Warfare. I yeah, think I told you about that. You right? did. Mm hmm. Um, and I and I love that and somatic therapy and so we'll pu- we'll post all that stuff too with post with Nikki Myers also Nikki yes White Twelve SR yeah going yes. to her training at Omega in a couple of months oh, you will love it she will rock your world and give her a hug and a kiss from me She's I will one of my thank you Sean thank You're you for very all welcome. your work and thank you for making it so yeah yeah I wish you all the best and I look forward to talking to you again thank you.
Please. 